0: Hello everybody welcome to another episode of the type one lifting podcast uh, i have a very good friend of mine i haven't really talked to him this is actually the first time we've talked but uh, i've <laughs> known him for the past couple of years and super nice guy i would like to welcome you justin Wright. how's it going
1: it's going great man happy to be on the show thanks for inviting me
0: yeah no problem thank you for being on so how, how's how's boston treating you right now with the whole covid19 stuff
1: honestly it's uh it's not bad things are initially you know everybody was kind of freaking out and and you know it, it, we were all kind of going through the same thing i was talking to my fiance about this i had like a couple weeks at the very beginning where you know i was kind of losing my mind a little bit and and now everything's good i mean fortunately the response here has been uh solid it seems like you know massachusetts as a as a state is doing pretty well and and you know we're actually officially opening up uh to members at the gym tomorrow so I'm, I'm oh, very forward cool. to so, yeah, get people back in the mix, man.
0: Yeah, so that, how long you guys been not, the gym hasn't been open for like three months or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, basically since the middle of March to now, so it's been uh, been kind of wild.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, well, they just opened the gyms up, I think, three, like a month ago down in Georgia. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, everyone's, it's funny, you'll still have like some people like sanitize everything and then some people will just like get up and walk away or something like that and you're like, dude, what, yeah. what's what's wrong with you? So <laughs>
1: What are you doing?
0: Come yeah, on, man. yeah. And you always call them out, and they're just like, "What? What? What happened?" I'm like, "Dude, you, I, even though you didn't sweat on this thing, just just still wipe it down, just for just
1: please." Yeah, just please wipe it. Just wipe do everything. Right yeah, there.
0: I don't, I don't want to get it. You don't want to get it, so just, just leave it alone. So, absolutely. So, you actually um, were a, for, a former CrossFit athlete. I mean, you, you're a pre- former professional exerciser, and you, yeah. you've trained at. Um, Jack Bay, CrossFit, now CrossFit Evictus. So what was your, how did you get involved in CrossFit?
1: Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, an interesting story. So I, I came from the world of um, combat sports, wrestling, boxing, mm-hmm. mixed martial arts, all that stuff. And uh, that was kind of uh, what I wanted to make a run of as far as, you know, the, the sports world. I was training for some fights, you know, things were going well. And I ended up having a pretty gnarly back injury, which you know i'm recovered from now but at the time uh you know kind of when this was actually towards the end of high school going into college i was i was in pretty rough shape and i wasn't really able to train uh any of the you know the fighting stuff as Mm -hmm. far as like you know grappling boxing any of that and one of my buddies who i grew up with was like oh man my brother just helped open this this crossfit gym and i was like what the hell is crossfit and uh and he's like well you know they pull workouts from crossfit.com and you should check it out whatever and and sure enough, I started um, kind of doing that training that summer and, and, and then my first year of college and second year of college, I uh, found a group of other guys who were, I was like, hey, I feel like I recognize that workout and kind of went over and talked to them. And they were you know, they were like, oh, yeah, we're following whatever, you know, CrossFit workout. And at the time, there weren't a lot of us, you know, people were still kind of in hiding. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up linking up with those guys and, and we just started training together, you know, all through the, the rest of college and the rest of school. And a lot of them are, are active duty military guys now, so I, I kind of got you know a, a good dose of uh, of getting my butt whipped by some pretty fit dudes, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of started the story for me.
0: Nice. Now, where was that? Was it was that in Massachusetts or when?
1: Uh, yes, sir. I went to uh, Boston College.
0: So oh, very was, cool. Yeah. All right. So, a little fun fact: I actually used to live in Massachusetts, and okay. I used to work at Dylan's off of the right on Boylston Street.
1: No way!
0: That's yeah, awesome. yeah. I used to be a I used to be a bouncer slash like bartender there. So, yeah, I was That's a uh, spot. And then I then I used to be uh, I used to work at Brigham Women's Hospital, at the emergency department too. So, okay, gotcha, so. gotcha, gotcha. Well, yeah. There you go. Small world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, when did you start getting involved into like coaching classes or you know? Um.
1: So what ended up happening was uh, one of my still best friends, uh, Mike, who was one of the guys who I was working out with at BC. Uh, you know, we were. It, it, this is actually kind of a funny story. So our uh, there was a woman there named Lauren who was running the like the group fitness stuff at school, and she was always kind of yelling at it. It was like one of the you know those old cartoons where we were like you know doing stuff, hanging rings from random things, running around doing workouts, and she would come yell at us and be like, you know, boys, stop, stop doing this CrossFit business. And uh, so eventually, she was like, well, listen, if you want to start teaching some group classes or whatever, you guys obviously have a following of people, you've been training with this group, like, you know, why don't we actually, like, make it constructive, give you guys some space, and so he and I got our level ones, and started teaching, uh, teaching class, and then from there, uh, that woman, Lauren, ended up introducing me to Josh Plosker, who's the owner of uh, Now Invictus Boston, and so it, it's kind of funny, because the one uh, woman who was, like, yelling at us for doing CrossFit, ended up pulling me aside, and she was like, now, I have to be mad at you, but secretly, I'm talking to this guy, we're opening this gym, you should come beat him, and so she actually introduced me to, uh, to you know, our owner and kind of got me into coaching as a career.
0: Okay, cool, so how, how was the, what, what was the coaching like when you first started out?
1: Uh, so at BC, it was funny because, you know, we're on half of a basketball court, and we have, like, you know, uh, mismatched random colored dumbbells filled with sand and some like small medicine balls. And mm-hmm. we kind of had to figure it out. And at first, uh, you know, we had a couple people in class. It wasn't anything crazy, but within, you know, a couple weeks, there was like 30, 40 people showing up for class and we're like, okay, this is getting kind of crazy. And then by the time that I graduated, we had 90 people showing up for our like BC yeah, as we called it class. Uh, And so we had to get super creative, like, you know, rotating people to different stations, we had people running outside, we had all kinds of crazy stuff going. So that was kind of, you know, it was like a coaching war zone, which um, ended up being really beneficial for me, you know, coaching in the city, because at our gym, you know, we keep things pretty tight as far as class caps and everything, but even at some of our peak times, there's just a lot going on, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of it's kind of making sure people are safe, because obviously in the city, we're limited with space. We don't have, uh, you know, a huge warehouse to, to run classes in.
0: Yeah. Now, if to all the listeners that haven't seen, you know, Back Bay Invictus, they have like this brick wall. like brick, It's pretty much the whole area is all brick and and like the pull-up bars are on the brick wall and like a lot of you'll see like a lot of like the noble noble guys like take pictures there and it that yeah. i love that that place like if i ever come back up to massachusetts anytime soon i i you know that's the one place i wanted to hit up so that place is so cool yeah.
1: we we lucked out in that the the building is really it's like a really historical building it's got a super cool look like you know um uh, so we have a couple locations. The original location that we opened is actually a couple blocks over in, like, an office building. Mm-hmm. And and that's pretty standard, you know. There's a wine store across the hall, so we couldn't drop weights, you know, whatever. And, and we ended up finding the, our Columbus Ave spot, which is the brick building, uh, basically, a, like, a year and a half after we opened um, our original spot. And it just happened to work out where, you know, uh, this we yeah, had this super cool space it used to be a gym so there was already like the flooring and, and all that stuff and uh and yeah it's you know that a lot of people like the backlifting room because it's like brick and stone walls and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of platforms and it's a it's a good spot to take photos
0: yeah that's that place is so cool so when in your crossfit like you know career do you start realizing like hey you know i'm getting really good at this uh
1: i don't know if i ever realized that but <laughs> what i did realize was like you know, this is fun. I like pushing myself. You know, especially the, the group of guys I was training with originally were super competitive and, and all in good fun. But you know, we were all it, it was it was like the wild west of, of CrossFit back then, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're figuring out, like a lot of competitors were figuring out how to do double unders, and and like we were all going through that early journey that people go through when they start doing this type of training, um, and then trying to do it at a high level. And and I mean the old old school style of competition was there was no pacing like there were no endurance coaches who were teaching people how how to do stuff it was just we would show up you know run ourselves through a brick wall and uh and keel over at the end of the workout and Mm -hmm. then come back the next day and do it yeah um so for me it was less about being like oh i'm pretty good at this and more about like you know wait there's a you can compete in this i this stuff's awesome let's do it and so uh, i ended up i actually remember watching the 2009 CrossFit games and uh, remember watching Miko Salo, who is still a badass, but at the time was just an absolute savage. And uh, and watching him at the 2009 games, you know, watching replays of that was
0: that was when I was like, okay, cool. I, I kind of want to see if I can if I can make it to that that level. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. And then you actually made it to the CrossFit Games as a as a team. If mm-hmm. I, how many times did you make make it to the games? Was it?
1: Uh, we qualified. The, the team that I was on qualified twice. The second year, I didn't compete uh, at the games, so I I personally have been once.
0: Okay, cool. So what what was the experience being at the CrossFit Games like?
1: Oh man, it you know looking back, it it, it really was one of the coolest things I got to be a part of, uh, and that was the last year that it was in uh, Carson, California. So mm-hmm. we got to like I, I'm super thankful that I got to experience like the original, uh, not the not the ranch obviously, but. But, you know, the games in California when it was kind of like, you know, the Mecca of CrossFit and um, it was super cool. I remember uh, the dinner. So There's like an athlete dinner when you show up and, and Castro briefs everybody on like a couple things. You know, you, you still don't know most of the events, um, but I was an awful swimmer. And I was like, well, at least I'm doing team. And we, you know, they always give us like a raft or a paddleboard or something. So I'll just like, I'll just dangle myself on a raft or whatever. And I remember that year at dinner, Castro goes, this is the 10th anniversary of the games. This is going to be one of, and may go down in history as the hardest CrossFit games of all time. And team athletes, you were doing an open ocean swim. And I was like, well, here we go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how how did that, so did you guys actually uh, do the workouts inside the tennis stadium? uh yeah we did some uh we
1: did uh or the last the final workout was inside the tennis stadium so that year we didn't make the final because it was top 10 Mm -hmm. teams or whatever um so we did most of our events in, in either the soccer stadium or you know the first uh workout was team murph which was kind of all over the place yeah um and then we had the swim at like a beach nearby and, and a couple other places.
0: Yeah. So, what was the environment like with the, in the tennis stadium? I, I've I've heard like from other athletes that it's like in like unreal. So, I just want to get your two cents into it,
1: dude. It's uh, it's pure, it's pure energy. You know, like it's it's the reason that a lot of people get into sports, right? Is or or especially at a high level, is it's uh, it, you know, you, you have athletes who are kind of jamming out in that flow state you have the crowd which is electric like everybody's all focused on on kind of what's going on on the floor mm-hmm. you know it's hot which makes it feel kind of like you know like a gladiator's arena uh it was it was super cool i mean the energy in there was was unreal
0: awesome that's so cool i mean that's that's one i mean that's one place i wish i was able to you know check out and just just be just be like in the stands and seeing like how you know all that's like everything Everything being electric, like you said. So I mean, yeah. And I, I've heard. Have you been to Wisconsin yet, or are you planning to go? Uh, I haven't been yet. Uh, I may go at, at some point, but uh, but
1: you know, I haven't actually seen the setup there personally. I've heard. They. I mean, I've heard it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I just haven't. I haven't been myself. Okay,
0: so so when you're when you're coaching in CrossFit Back Bay, and then they actually changed it to CrossFit Invictus, So what was that? What was that transition like?
1: Yeah, so uh, we had been trying to figure out uh, what to do for a little while because uh, we had also acquired CrossFit Fenway, mm-hmm. which had been around longer than, than we had, but it was just, you know, it was a it was a good move for us. Uh, it was kind of full circle for Josh because when he started training CrossFit and as, like, a member, he was at Fenway, so it was cool for us to to bring that gym into the fold. Uh, but what we wanted to do was, was find a way to unify the gyms and unify the brand because, you know, we had – Kind of our our reputation established, we had acquired CrossFit Fenway, but they were still two different entities. And uh, for a while, we tried to uh, we tried to get the CrossFit Boston name for a little bit. We were in some talks to acquire that, uh, and then what one uh, one nation ended up buying their physical gym, so they ended up getting the CrossFit Boston name with that as part of that deal or whatever. And so uh, we had known the Invictus guys for a while. Uh, C.J. Martin was Josh's our owner's personal coach uh, back in the day. And so they just had a really good relationship, and a lot of their values and what they, you know, tried to, or the standard that they held their coaches to, and, and their facilities, we felt was very in line with with us. And so, you know, casual talks became more serious talks, and and just kind of led to this idea of, you know, why don't we try to establish the Invictus brand it, uh, also on the East Coast and kind mm-hmm. of see what happens. And so it it became this kind of partnership where uh you know we rebranded uh a couple Februaries ago now i believe yeah so it was a little while ago
0: yeah I, I remember when crossfit fenway was in the um was they had their like the garage area and then they moved it to the other side and so yeah. i used to I used to drive there all the time and see them like just throwing weights around and everything and even like then driving to the other side I, is that Huntington is it huntington i forget uh anyway just seeing those guys like to go running outside you know across yep. like, the new facility back and forth all the time so I definitely, I know it's definitely funny seeing like all this stuff go on. But <clears throat> so
1: they were legends, man. I mean, Fenway was around for a while when I first started, even the first year of the open, a lot of the local CrossFit, the Boston area gyms hosted like open events where athletes would just throw down and have fun. And, and Fenway was a big part of that community. So it was cool for us to be able to kind of keep, keep that going in and, and, and bring it into a new, a new place.
0: Yeah. I remember uh, one of my one of the people, one of my friends that actually graduated high school, Erica Schneider. She was actually, I think she was training yeah. at Fenway. So I, I used yep. to see her yep. just absolutely kill it, and it's like, and I that was I wasn't even doing CrossFit at the time when I saw her like doing going to like, you know, competitions and stuff. And then you know, one one year I was in the military, and I I went to this gym in Hanscom Air Force Base, and you know mm-hmm. I saw these guys doing CrossFit. I'm like, well, I do a 300 workout, so I might as well try it out. And so yeah, the rest might is well history. Yeah. And they're like, you don't even need to do the on ramp program. You're good. So, <laughs> but Dude,
1: famous, famous last words. I feel like that's how we all start. It's like, oh, yeah, that looks fun. Let me, uh, let me see what's going on. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, how's your training with uh, with in, in CrossFit Invictus since you're like you know not being a professional anymore? You just kind of like scaling it back a little bit, or
1: yeah, man. You know, it, for for me, it's it's cool. It's like I still work out with a lot of the same crew, um, but a lot of us are kind of at the same stage of our athletic careers right so it's it's you know people who used to be part of our you know quote-unquote competition team and people who we used to throw down with we still keep the energy going and i still try to train with a lot of the same people um one of my co-workers burn prince has been in the game forever as a coach and, and a member of the crossfit community and he and i work out you know almost every day together religiously every day that we train we, we train together generally and so you know for us right now it's just about good energy man it's you know um uh, I had to, and we can get into this a little bit too, but I had to kind of rediscover um, my passion for for why I train and, and work out and, and, and you know, bring it back to having fun and working out with the, that community because when you take it to a professional level, uh, it can be easy to lose sight of that. And mm-hmm. So for me now, it's about let's jam out with some good people, let's put some good music on, you know, good energy. Uh, we always try to whatever we're doing for training, strength work, whatever, you know, that stuff, everybody's kinda of doing different things with depending on what they need, but we always hit a workout together at some point during that session mm-hmm. and we just try to push each other, man.
0: Yeah. So did you get burnt burnt out and that's the reason why you kinda changed
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, dude. I I mean uh, I, I actually talked to one of our former coaches, uh, Nate Ganyan who who runs a, a different facility now. I was on his podcast talking about this a little bit, but For me, I went from being like at the peak, peak of my um, uh, my performance as as a crossfit athlete, whatever. And that was when the grid lead was rocking and all that stuff. And and the next year, I just kind of hit hit like a rock bottom as far as performance is concerned. I just Mm kind of fell off. I I was I was burnt out. I wasn't recovering. I wasn't performing well. And it became this kind of uh, self fulfilling prophecy where you know if you're used to performing at a certain level. And then you're not there, or you're getting crushed in the open workouts by people who you know that you've run circles around in the past. It's it's hard to not play that comparison game, mm-hmm. and to bring it to a really negative place. And and that's what happened with me is I started you know falling off performance wise a little bit just because of a number of things, um, you know dealing with some injuries, all that stuff. But I let it get in my head, and I let it uh, bring me to kind of a negative place for a little while. Yeah.
0: So so going to the grid league so you got did you get drafted by them or how How did that work
1: yeah so uh year one i was uh helping out from a coaching perspective mm-hmm. uh because you know uh the boston the boston team a lot of the people i knew our owner was it was involved uh our owner of our gym and it was one of those things where it was like okay cool this is this is pretty awesome i kind of ended up taking a last minute jumping in and traveling to one of the uh the combine events in his place because he couldn't go. And and that ended up just kind of leading to me being involved uh, with the Boston team from a coaching perspective in the first year of the, the, the Grid League, in the first season. Mm-hmm. And then as I was coaching it and watching it, uh, at the time the Grid League uh, kind of aligned well with my strengths as an athlete. Like I was generally stronger and explosive. You know, at the time I wasn't the guy to be giving you a 20-minute plus workout but Mm -hmm. I was good for short you know short burst strength stuff and and my gymnastics skill set was always decently high Uh, and so um, I just decided to kind of uh, essentially try out for the league the next year go to one of the pro days uh, got invited to the combine and then at the combine based on that performance you know I I got drafted to the the Boston team Uh, and the the way that the grid league worked uh, then too is It was a pro sport, but there wasn't huge money in it or anything. So a lot of the teams would draft with location in mind. So like if, you know, if you lived close to one of the teams and you were going to get drafted by a team anyways, they tried to make it work out so that you didn't have to, you know, travel all the way across the country or whatever. So that's how I ended up in Boston.
0: Yeah. And that only lasted like, I believe two years, two to three years.
1: Yeah. It was three total seasons, three total seasons.
0: Yeah. And so now I, now I guess they're doing like a kind of like a grid league, a smaller grid league down in Florida so
1: yes well so the idea is great you know it was it's one of those things where uh creating a a spectator friendly version of of of, you know working out for time or whatever is is definitely a good idea and a lot of the um the seeds that were planted with with the grid league are you know they're good ideas Mm -hmm. and so what's happening now is they're taking it to a smaller level, doing it more regionally or whatever, I think that was really the the grid league's biggest uh, problem, or its Achilles' heel, if you will, was it tried to be too big, too fast. Mm-hmm. And the idea was great, but uh, we got there too quickly. I mean, the first grid match was in Madison Square Garden, which for a new <laughs> sport is just out of control. Right? Yeah, like it just it, it was it was you know I totally respect the the you know dream big concept, and and I think that that's great. But when it comes to a business plan i think that was the the ultimate uh you know like i said achilles heel of the the grid league
0: yeah so do you think from like doing the doing crossfit and then joining the grid league does that do you think that kind of led to the more injuries and not really you know performing well in the open
1: yeah (laughs) oh absolutely it's funny so uh uh, i'm sure you know and a lot of people know tolo moraquino who uh is one of our coaches and and uh, an absolute savage of an athlete um He, uh, we talk about this all the time and joke around that, like, the grid league was the worst thing we did to our bodies. Uh, but fortunately, he's a lot younger, so that cumulative damage didn't, uh, didn't push him over the edge like it did to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's like Marcus Philly, he always talks about the grid league. I was just absolutely thrashed after, and so that's how we started, like, the functional bodybuilding stuff. And so I, I even talked to, um, Actually, and I think I I think uh, Kelly Wilde, we talked a little bit about the Grid League too, like how how she managed with it and everything. But yeah, I mean, yeah. just doing that full throttle like all year long is, dude.
1: It, and and it it kind of jumped the shark a little bit in that some of the original races, if you look at the actual elements and and you know what the athletes were doing, it was cool because. You know what made a professional grid athlete wasn't that the the workouts or the the movements themselves were anything crazy it was that they could do them at such a high level and do them so quickly because they were so efficient and skilled and strong and all that stuff right Mm -hmm. but i mean i remember in the champ like you know the last season we were in the championship against uh, phoenix and i'm watching tola who's the strongest human being in crossfit period like that's a stat line like he he has the, you know, the strongest clean and snatch in the sport. And I'm watching him trying to clean 365 at the end of a race against Danny Nichols, who is also one of the strongest human beings on the planet. And these guys are like absolutely trash. Like, you know, like it, it tried to get to be too big or to be too, too challenging or too crazy. Or the gymnastics movements, you know, you're doing 73 flips on a bar or whatever. It's just, it's it, it, it started to deviate from the simplicity, which is is where I think some of the beauty in the sport was, and and just kind of got too crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of some of the guys they were doing like muscle ups, like they're not doing the regular muscle ups. They were like, I think I think it was like I, th- I think it was from DC or something like that. He was doing these weird yeah. butterfly like ring muscle ups, and I'm like, yeah. how is his shoulders actually like handling this?
1: yeah the, the the butterfly shoulder dislocators yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe i and i and i saw that on instagram and i was like is that like how is he able to do that it's it's yeah. insane and I, that's, and
1: I that's what happened yeah you know, it's just it became a lot of that and and uh it, you know there was still and and, the, and not to say that that wasn't you know it wasn't all bad like there was some really cool strategy. Like if you look at some of the high-level coaches like Justin Kotler from the DC Brawlers, you know, Josh, the, our Boston coach, you know, a lot of the strategy, I mean the Phoenix team, you start to look at the nuances and the way that people were, were, were shaving time and running through these races, and, and it really was a cool and is a cool sport. Yeah, I just, you know, it, it's there were just a lot of little things that went wrong that when you added up kind of uh, blew up the, the league.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I it's it's sad to see it go because obviously you know you kind of want to expand the functional fitness world, and you know that could have been a great thing, great great avenue to get into, but you know go big because like you said they go they went too big too quick and even too with the too yeah even with the weights too if you're doing like heavy heavy weights because obviously the fans want to see people like throw some like ungodly numbers of like you know for cleans and stuff that just yeah. trashes you, and so
1: yeah it's crazy i mean i I, i'm confident that these regional grid leagues might you know might keep the sport going and and you know you might see it kind of grow organically in the way that it should have Mm -hmm. and and so i don't i don't necessarily think it's going away i think that if they you know because these local leagues are being run really well by smart people and and especially with the florida grid league and there's one in, in philly and all this other stuff and i mean they seem to be doing well, so so who knows? I don't think
0: uh, I don't think the sport's dead by any means, but hopefully it uh, it keeps growing. Yeah, so I kind of want to get back to coaching uh, for yeah. for back bay. So how do you get people to like you know buy into you know what Invictus is and like what you're doing for, per class?
1: Yeah, you know our big thing, really our 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 rule one from day one has always been you know we want everybody who comes through the door to feel welcome, whether they're you know inquiring about the gym and what we do, whether they're a member who's been there forever, whether they're a new member, whether they're dropping in from you know another gym, another city, another country, you know, whatever it is. We always try to make people feel like it's a friendly place, like we want them to be there and and, and like we care about them, you know, regardless of who they are. And I think that everything we do stems from that is all the decisions that we've made from a coaching perspective or from a, you know a, a management perspective always boils down to how can we as coaches care for our members in the best way possible and furthermore how can we professionalize coaching Mm -hmm. um you know one of one of the guys who you may be familiar with um is the founder of deuce gym in venice uh yeah gilbridge and he wrote uh the book going right and super smart guy uh really really stellar coach but but their philosophy is very in line with with what we're trying to do is you know we want to professionalize coaching you know, our coaches are career coaches. The people who are full time staff at our gym are people who are coaching as a career. They're not just trying to pick up a couple classes after work. Like, these are people who, who love the art of coaching. They love working with people. They want to learn as much as they can. And we've tried to foster that culture within our staff, which I think has really helped
0: yeah so what's what's the program like for you know new coaches that are getting into working at, at Invictus Back Bay like how is there like a certain steps they have to make and if they don't hit it they kind of send them back a little bit and go over everything yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. so we have an internship program and, and kind of a shadowing program so it starts with we want you to we want our members to see your face and we want you to get to know our our staff right so if somebody comes in and 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 we put everybody through some version of this program. Yeah. Now, it, 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 it differs by the coach, right? If you've been coaching for 10 years or whatever uh, and you know what you're doing, you'll differentiate yourself quickly in this program. We still put those coaches through the same process, but the timeline might be faster because they're able to kind of, you know, differentiate themselves and they have that ability. But, you know, we have every, every potential coach shadow with our staff So, that they get to know all of our coaches and ask questions and kind of say, you know, see how they run class and everything. But also, so our members can get to see them and and have them around, you know, because what we never want to do is just bring somebody in, throw them in front of our our community and be like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, your new coach, so and so, or whatever. And they're like, well, who's this person? You know, I don't know who they are. (laughs) Yeah. So, we integrate them in the community. uh, And then, you know, we have a coaching exam that we've created in house. Like, so obviously people have their own certifications, but we have knowledge that we feel is important as a baseline, mm-hmm. um, and that's not like a pass-fail, that's like a, hey, here's some stuff that we think you should know. If you don't know it, we'll go over it with you and we can kind of talk about it, but we want to kind of gauge that that knowledge. Um, and then we have them uh, shadow all our coaches, all our specialty classes, so we have like a weightlifting program, an endurance program, all that other stuff. And this is all pre-COVID, obviously, right now, we're just happy to open up again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But we have some specialty classes that they can uh, check out. And then uh, eventually they start to take over portions of class and start to coach classes while getting feedback from, uh, you know, from our coaches, from our staff, that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So with – so when you guys transferred over from you know just Back Bay ba- Back Bay CrossFit to Invictus, were was there like some pushback from your you know your, you know the the, the people that are actually going to the gym?
1: Fortunately, no. Um, you know we've we've earned a lot of trust from our members over the years, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where people had questions, obviously, just you know some logistical questions or whatever, but fortunately, they trusted us enough to, to know that if this is the direction that we felt was a, a good decision then they were kind of on board with that so fortunately we didn't get much pushback people just kind of wanted to know like you know will anything change like what does this mean all that other stuff and so you know we were very transparent with our membership throughout the transition and it, and to be honest there for the experience for them really didn't change at all um, what it did give them access to was more information you know being part of that larger invictus brand that's been established you know there's there's information and and knowledge that comes with that that invictus has for their members that you know they're able to be a part of um but not much as far as like the you know the day-to-day change for them all
0: right very cool so i kind of want to venture into the podcasting realm which you've had the the morph your mind podcast which i was an avid listen to avid avid listener and so um how did you start it and what were the hurdles that you had to like overcome because I know you kind of had, you know, you and I I forget her name. I'm sorry about that, but like um uh, Chrissy. Yeah, yeah, Chrissy. Yeah. So you had you two, you know, you talk about one thing and then Chrissy would talk about something else. So what were the hurdles that you guys had to, you know, deal with in your podcasting?
1: Yeah. Um so it started because I was just, you know, I I'm, I've always been passionate about the mental aspect of training and it was one of those things that I really dove into heavily Um, you know when I went through that tough period athletically for myself right you know I had this 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 experience where I was going through uh, a tough patch of time I was super negative and it was affecting you know a lot of other things and I learned uh, and really dove into okay how can I fix you know what's going on inside my head to get me back to you know where I need to be, get me back to baseline, and I found that some of that stuff was really powerful, and so I wanted to kind of share that as a facet of what I was um, you know working with people on as I was coaching other people, mm-hmm. and so um, I had known Chrissy for a little while. Um, we, I knew her through the you know Nova Three Labs, the company that she had kind of bought into and was helping out with, um, and I uh, you know over the years we just spoke we saw each other at competitions and i knew that she was um pursuing a master's degree in in sports psychology and she was like you know going down that that avenue and so i reached out to her i'm a big fan of just like and and, you know you're much the same way i remember you reaching out to me on social media and so i always try to engage with people in that capacity but i'm a big fan of just like reaching out and connecting with people and, and you know uh Tim Ferriss has a a quote, uh, you know, that your success in life is directly proportional to the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm big on just reaching out, like cold cold calling, like sending messages to people who I respect. And if they respond, cool. If they don't, cool. But like you never know, right? You got to take take that chance and shoot that message. And so I messaged Chrissy, and I was like, you know, fortunately, I already knew her, but I was like, hey, you know, I know you're doing this sports psychology stuff. I'm super passionate about it. You know, how can we collaborate and, and maybe create something cool out of this? And she actually had the podcast idea. Um, I had never planned on doing a podcast in any way, shape, or form. Um, but she, uh, you know, she she had this idea. She's like, I've always wanted to do a podcast. She's like, I want to keep it short form. So for us, first of all, we had to say, okay, how do we want to structure this? And so that's why we did the, you know, short episodes. We, we didn't want to make it conversational, which – was good in some ways and bad in others and, and you know that's you you live and learn mm-hmm. um, but we wanted to keep it concise and we wanted each episode to kind of give an actionable thing that you can do whether it's like here's how you do a daily journal here's how you set goals you know do X Y or Z yeah. and that was, our, that was our goal with the podcast now as far as like hurdles to overcome is I had no idea how the hell to make a podcast I didn't know where to put it I didn't know like I knew nothing um, I had zero, very little like uh, AV knowledge, and so I did a lot of research. Figured out, yeah, I kind of set up all the logistics. I told her like what mic to buy or whatever, and, and we were off and run.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, so with me when I started podcasting, I literally bought like a four way splitter. And two lapel mics, and I'm actually using an app on my phone to actually do the recording. Yep. So, and it's the Anchor app. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah, yeah. so I just started that, and actually, my first episode was spur of the moment. Like, uh, I I've told this earlier, but uh, my first, uh, my second episode, there's this girl. She's a type one diabetic and Olympic weightlifter, and so I decided I'm like, she's actually from Alabama, and she was doing a lifting competition in Georgia, and I so I was like, well. My kids aren't here, my wife's not here, so I'll just go down to the meet and I'll bring all my stuff. Yep. And we just started doing a recording literally in Panera Bread. And you can hear it pe- <laughs> and you can literally hear people in the background of like going on. It and was, it was funny because I know both of us were nervous because on the car ride, because she hopped in my car to get to go down to Panera Bread. And we were like, you know, talking, having a great conversation. Then all of a sudden, when the recording started, it kind of got like a little nervous for both of us. So it was like definitely, yep, yep. definitely like a, a learning curve just to, you know, try to get the nerves out.
1: Dude, for sure, and and I I tell people like coaching is like that too. Yeah, and it it has it always has been for me, and and even to this day I've been coaching forever and I've been talking to people forever. But like before a class starts, I still get like a little bit nervous, you know, because it's even with coaching you're getting on stage and it's the same thing like that. Whether you're you know recording a podcast, uh, you're talking to people on a show, you know, you're coaching in class, you're you're giving a presentation. It's all that same. You know that same
0: thing, and, and the nerves are definitely a factor. Oh yeah, every podcast I do, I still get nervous. So and I've been I've yeah. done like a whole bunch. So so yeah, it's 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 I'm getting a little better at it. I think even with like talking to the get my guests. So it's yeah. just it's definitely definitely a learning curve. And I, I actually my full time jo- job my full top job the full time job now I'm a recruiter. So I pretty <laughs> much call people on random people on the phone, cold call, and be like, hey, you know, you want this you want this job. And so it, I've definitely you've gotten like you know the nerves, less and less of nerves like while doing this. Yeah. So.
1: That, that, that'll help the podcast. and The podcast will help that for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. So with the Morph Your Mind, you guys only made it to forty-three episodes. What was the reason for that?
1: So um, we were doing an episode a week, and uh, and you know Chrissy is uh, is super entrepreneur. You know she she had been running Nova Three. Uh, labs uh, sold her stake in that, and she's been involved in a lot of other projects. And and you know she's super passionate about building things like that. But you know, that also everybody's got X amount of bandwidth, and mm-hmm. it's tough to you know it's tough to uh, to take on a lot of things. And it was just one of those things where we kind of outgrew the podcast. It was a fun experiment. We wanted to see you know for us it was it was never about like growing a huge audience or or you know achieving success whatever that means in the podcast world we just wanted to you know talk about some stuff that interested us share some cool um hopefully useful tidbits with people and and kind of engage with anybody who who you know enjoyed the podcast and and so in that sense it was a success you know we um anything that i can do the way i personally feel anything i can do to have a positive impact on people even if like one person says Hey, thanks for that post or that thing. Like that, you know, helped out with whatever I was going through. Like, you know, that's for me. That's the 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 cool factor. Um, and it just we just kind of outgrew the the podcast. She was super busy with a lot of her projects, which are going really well. And and uh, it was just time to to move on.
0: Yeah. So now you have a new one called the Lethal Webcam. So how did uh, how did. Yeah. I it, I I love the title by the way by the way but like <laughs> so so and if you yeah, the, the for all the listeners if they've seen the advertisements for it they they get the Miami Vice guys and they put their faces on on the uh the, those guys so it's it's hilarious but so how did that come yeah. about Oh man so so well that's that's Burn who uh
1: you know one of my best friends uh he and I are like family and uh and you know we just We've coached together and worked out together for for you know almost a decade at this point, and uh, and he is just one of the funniest human beings I know, and I'm not necessarily that funny by myself, mm-hmm. but he makes me funnier, and so the two of us like we just we just have a, a banter where uh, you know some people find it entertaining, and we did uh, we did a bunch of videos for the, the open announcements for Invictus. And it kind of started out as this joke where we were like, hey, let's have, like, Vern and I are, you know, we were like, let's have a show and do this stuff. And they were like, okay, you can do a, you know, you can make a video during, the, when the open workout comes out and, like, talk about it and whatever. And we just started being goofy and kind of being ourselves. And uh, and we posted it and, you know, people really liked it or whatever and, and uh, you know, got a ton of views on the Invictus uh, YouTube and stuff. and. And uh, so I had this idea for a while of like I want to do just a show, where we just talk about whatever. And and really the premise of the show, is I have no idea how long it's going to go for. I have no you know idea. It's just the premise of the show is if we were interviewing somebody, or or not even interviewing, if we were sitting at a table with somebody who is cool and interesting, and we were drinking beers and just talking, what would that look like? And yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the goal of the show is just you know bringing some cool people on the show who we know or have been introduced to and just talking about random stuff mm,
0: very cool very cool yeah so um, obviously you, you don't know how long you guys going to do it. so have you do you have any like guests that you want to get on your podcast
1: um so, fortunately, uh, one of the people I was really excited to get on it was was my friend, Tom Egan, who uh, is a, a super close friend of mine, but uh, just a really interesting character. And, and so we got to interview him, so having him on was cool. He was somebody who I definitely wanted to have on there. I mean, he was, uh, and, and, you know, if anybody's interested, you can, you know, check out the episode or whatever, but he was a childhood friend of Conor McGregor, and uh, they grew up in, in Ireland together, and... and the way he describes it is, we were already just fighting all the time, so we figured we might as well do it as a sport. And so he actually introduced Connor to John Cavanaugh, who's his coach, and and, and you know essentially kind of started Connor's path uh, in mixed martial arts. And so uh, Tom was the first Irish fighter to ever fight in the UFC, Irish-born fighter, and kind of paved the way. So uh, within that specific community, he's kind of a legend and uh, so it was cool to hear because I had never really heard like the full version of the story from his point of view mm-hmm. so to hear him kind of like talk about it w- was pretty badass so he was definitely somebody I wanted to have on it people who we'd want to have on it man I mean you know uh, a lot, there are a lot of cool athletes who we'd love to interview to just to kind of hear about their routines you know we like talking to people in the sports or fitness realm or who have ties to it mm-hmm. thus far um, but you know Anybody who's interesting, man, I'd be down to talk to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, very cool. So you're also in the film industry as well. So you're the owner of I I once again I forget the name. It's like Ink. Inc. Jet Productions. Inc. Yeah, that's it. Inkjet. So how did how did that start, and how how's that going? Because I know you did a video about the COVID nineteen, um, you know, and epidemic.
1: So uh, right now, actually, uh, our, our our editor is finishing up um, a short version of a of the documentary on on COVID. Um, and really, man, you know, uh, if if I can leave some imparting wisdom in all of this gibberish that I'm, uh, I'm you know, spewing on your podcast uh, thus far, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in in if you're passionate about something or you care about something or you want to try something, do it. Like like give it hell, see if it works, see if it's a fit, see if it's something that you that see if it's what you thought it was because mm-hmm. there have been a lot of times where like I want to try something and I'm, I think it'll be cool and you do it and it just wasn't what you thought it was or what it didn't work out the way you thought it would or you know whatever um, but I think you need to take those chances and I think that you need to be willing to like stick your neck out and and it's funny uh, I, I use this reference a lot but uh, Drake's like the rapper Drake's personal trainer it's this guy Johnny Rocks and uh, he and I uh, have sent many messages over Instagram DMs, and uh, he commented on one of my like, lifting videos back in the day, and we've spoken over the years. And I, I asked him, I was like, what's, you know, because he's super successful in this world, I was like, you know, what's your, your biggest piece of advice? He goes, fail forward fast, take chances, screw it up, learn from those, and, and keep going. So that's a very long-winded way of saying that I've always been passionate about films, Um, And when I was growing up, that was the thing that my mom and I did together. We would go to the movies or rent a bunch of movies. Mm. And I've always, I've just always loved cinema. I love it as an art form. I think it's super powerful. Um, You know, I think we can all remember a movie that made us feel a certain way. Uh, And I don't think you can say the same of a lot of other forms of art. Like maybe, you know, some people be like, oh, this painting, whatever. But almost everybody has a movie where they're like, yeah, I either cried like a baby or it made me feel this or whatever. And so I've always been passionate about it. But you kind of grow up thinking that there's this, like, huge barrier of entry to the film world. Like, you know, I got to go to Hollywood. I got to live in L.A. and all this other stuff. And I just started looking into it. And I met a couple of the right people. I have uh, a a buddy of mine, Brett, who I kind of started this production company with. He's Mm -hmm. an actor originally from L.A. And I was just like, dude, why don't we just, like, make some stuff? And he was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's an idea, whatever. And so I, I just, I wrote out a script for a, like a series and we filmed the pilot in a couple episodes and, and then COVID happened. So we turned that into a short film and he had an idea for a short film that we we shot or whatever. And I had no idea what part of the business I wanted to be involved in. I was like, do I want to act? Do I, I started taking acting classes. I'm like, do I want to do this, whatever. And, uh, and, you know, come to find out I love directing and being behind the camera and you know he's a great actor and we have other friends who are good actors and we have a buddy of ours who had never really acted before but ended up being like the star of the show in our short film and so we just started just started doing it man just started (laughs) just filming stuff and seeing what happens
0: yeah I love I love the part where you say you know fail you know fast and just go fast because I remember you had a post about the uh, the squatting ebook that you you made and you 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 had it you had it like you know for twenty bucks or something like then it then it went to being free, to hand out yeah. and actually I, I picked it up and it was free I and mean, it was actually a really good book and you actually described like you know how failing is okay and it's like, it was definitely a learning process for you too.
1: Yeah, man. You know, and and I was I was always afraid of it like anybody else was, but and and I think it took it took me kind of uh, you know landing on the ground hard as an athlete, I think to ultimately be okay with uh, messing things up and failing and, and you know, falling short. Um, because I remember when I was, you know, as when I was an athlete, it was always I'm always looking at the leaderboard. It's like, oh, what are mm-hmm. they gonna think about me if I don't do this and this workout or I'm supposed to be the strong guy, so what if I'm not strong or what if I'm you know, like there's so much of that, that, that chatter that was going through my mind. And so I'm you know I'm so grateful for the path that I have have followed and I would never change anything or go back and and you know people are like oh would you do something different and for me the answer is always no because I've picked up and learned so much through every step of the way and if I hadn't you know if I hadn't tried to pursue being an athlete I probably wouldn't be as comfortable with making mistakes and I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now and 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 it's one of those things where I don't know if you know I'll if, if I'll ever make a big movie or, or be a part of that or whatever, or what'll happen with this documentary. I think the story is really cool. And, and I'm, you know, I'm really excited to put it out into the world, but who knows, but I, I know that I enjoy the time that I spend doing those things and it makes me happy and it, you know, improves my quality of life. And so I'm just going to keep jamming and, and, and go with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's all that matters. If you're, if you're happy with what you're doing, then just keep on going. So. That's it, man. Yeah, and I and I and it's like with me, like unfortunately I have diabetes. And if I didn't have diabetes, like I probably wouldn't have this shirt company. I, de- I definitely wouldn't have the shirt company. I wouldn't have this podcast. You know, I wouldn't have probably reached out to you or, you know, and it's, you know, I have fun doing this a lot. You know, like <clears throat> learning from other people. And, you know, it's just crazy what to think of like what my life would be like without type 1 diabetes
1: for sure and even like you know you reaching out to me and and the stuff that you're doing with the shirt sales and and, you know putting money in a good place and and doing all this stuff and like that's that's what it's about man you know you make connections meet cool people you know if you can go through life being a good person and just trying to you know trying to help help some people out along the way I feel like you know that's that's a win right yeah that's all all you can ask
0: for yeah absolutely so um, we're getting close to the end so what are some of the goals that you're trying to achieve this year? Either like via movies, you know, lethal webcam, yeah. or you know, fitness-wise, what, what are you? are you trying to reach?
1: Yeah, uh, fitness-wise, you know, I want to I want to stay healthy. I want to keep making progress. I, you know, uh, but but part of that is redefining what you know success in that realm mm-hmm. means for me, and, and a lot of that is just letting myself have fun with uh, with workouts and, and doing things that I might not do. Uh, in the past want I want to continue to do some of you know some of the mentally grueling challenges like the 24 hour stuff and, and some of the, the harder things I've done. you know those are really fulfilling for me. Um, so continuing to, to add that stuff in. you know with the movie side of things, um, I have uh, a couple other short films I want to create. Um, I've submitted uh, one, of, uh, one of the ones we finished to a bunch of festivals. I really want to uh, finish the feature length version of the, the COVID documentary. So right now we're gonna be putting out a shorter version for a, a competition, uh, but I wanna to continue to put out like a longer version of that because I think the story is really cool. And, and you know, it, our take, our angle on that is we're highlighting the people who came together to in, in unique ways to help solve the problem. So people who were you know, producing face shields when that wasn't what they do uh, we have a guy who runs a restaurant group who found a way to feed hospital workers, but also keep other chefs who are out of work employed. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that and, and, and really like human and positive stories that, that we want to tell. And so, you know, my goal in the film world is to put that out there. And, and I, I think it's a message that people need right now. Um, and, and, you know, the big goal is, uh, I say this all the time, but, uh, keep my fiance from divorcing me before we get married we got a wedding coming up next year <laughs> yeah
0: so, yeah well congratulations you know. on that
1: thank you so yeah if uh you know just just keep keep trying to uh, uh not drive her too crazy but, yeah uh, you know just um the biggest goal and something that i'm really you know truly deeply passionate about is is to um continue to help other people to spread joy to spread love um yeah I can't say enough how much I keep falling back on that with everything that's going on in the world with you know everything that's happening Mm -hmm. everybody's got their own struggles And, uh, and, and I try to always you know whenever I encounter anybody you never know what their personal story is what their you know what happened to them that day or that year or that week or whatever it is and so just my biggest goal is to continue to spread love and positivity and to try to leave a A positive footprint on, uh, you know, wherever it is I I walk this year.
0: All right, very cool. Well, if you need any nurses in Boston and we need an interview, I know, like, from my experience working in the emergency department, like, everyone knows me, so I can definitely, you know, reach out for you if you want to interview anybody.
1: Hell yeah, dude, I love it and I love it and appreciate it. So, okay, uh, I'll definitely let you know. All
0: right, very cool. And then, um, what's your favorite like fitness book or self help book that you could just constantly read, or you know you like just say you want to give it as a gift, like you always want to give this book out for a gift to somebody?
1: Yeah, um, when, uh, a book that I give often as a gift actually is called The Miracle of Mindfulness uh, by Thich Nhat Hanh, and he was a, a Vietnamese monk. Uh, and essentially, it was written as a letter to uh, there was a essentially a group of the of the monks of the brothers who. We're in a war-torn area, and we're just going through a really hard time, and his goal was to write a letter to them to essentially remind them of the beauty of of mindfulness practice and whatever. I think it's a really good intro to meditation for anybody who's, you know, would never really dip their toe in that water, but one of the big reasons I give it as a gift is it's a super easy read. It's short, Mm -hmm. so I think that's a really good one. Um, another easy read that I think is very powerful, especially now, is "The Obstacle Is the Way" by Ryan Holiday. Yep. Um, so he's a modern Stoic philosopher, and uh, it's a it's just a very empowering way to think if you can uh, you know kind of absorb it and apply it. Um, and I always have to kind of direct people to um, "Unbeatable Mind" by uh, Mark Divine because Mark Divine and Seal Fit for me was the start of. My, uh, you know, mindset uh, journey, if you will, of mm-hmm. how I got into mindfulness, mindset training, uh, breath work, all that stuff was all through Mark Divine and Seal Fit. So. So that would be another good one is Unbeatable Mind or The Way of the Seal by Mark Devine
0: Yeah, I've read I've read Way of the Seal. That was a really really good book. I, I Angel yeah, that stellar. one. Yeah.
1: He's uh he's an interesting dude. He's he's a really interesting dude.
0: Yeah. I, I have I would love to meet him in person and just like shoot shoot the breeze with him just to see, you know, how he thinks other than reading his books. So
1: So he's one of those guys who is just super cool and um, but one of our friends who we uh, worked out with at BC, ended up interning with him, is now an active duty Navy SEAL, and Mark Devine actually pinned his Trident at his graduation ceremony. Oh, very cool! And um, and so and we had reached out to him with random questions about fitness when we were in college. I mean, he's he's getting emails from a bc.edu you know email address, <laughs> and he wrote and, and you know he wrote us back a really thoughtful and helpful response. And so I just always, I've always had a lot of respect for him because he's the kind of guy who takes the time to Mm -hmm. like, you know, give, give his knowledge to other people.
0: Yeah, very cool. And then uh, the last, well, actually the last two. So what would you tell a trainer that's starting out in the fitness business?
1: Um, I would give them the same advice I'd give anybody starting out anywhere. And that's find people who you respect or, or, you know, people who who are doing good things in that realm, and if it's the fitness realm, find people who are, you know, doing right by their clients and who are successful in, in that avenue, and study and, and absorb as much information as you can. I think uh, in the modern world, there's no reason to go through it alone or to, to not have a mentor, even mm-hmm. if it's not a formal mentorship. You know, with social media, with, with um, people being so willing to share information, uh, it's very easy to... Uh, you know, find somebody to look up to and aspire to emulate, and I think that that's a great place to start.
0: Very cool. So, where can people reach out to you because of like all your aspects of like the film industry podcast and social media? Yeah. Where can everyone uh, reach out to you? Um,
1: so, uh, so uh, I'm a, I'm one of the coaches at Invictus Boston. My uh, Invictus Boston email is is right on our website. You know, you can always email me there, and I'll always try to respond. Um, my Instagram is uh, at trained right. It's my last name W R I G H T and, and train uh, You know, whatever you can throw it in the show notes or whatever. But DM me on Instagram. it uh, you know, as you did right. Like if you if you reach out to me, I will always try to respond. It might not be right away, but I, I do try to respond to people and, and interact with people. Um, and so you can hit me there. And and all the other you know uh, our production company is is linked on my Instagram. All that stuff's on there you can you know uh, in my bio link you can check out all the short films and, and episodes and everything that we have out there so you know feel free to reach out there
0: awesome well thank you for, for thank you very much for doing the show I really do appreciate it
1: but, uh, are you kidding me I mean, absolutely it's been fun to talk and uh, and rehash old stories and, and uh, you know hang out a little bit
0: yeah yeah so it must be pretty weird from like you've only done like maybe a couple podcasts but like you've just it does it feel a little bit different from being interviewed compared to uh, you know interviewing other people
1: oh yeah for sure i i i always like um i've been on a couple different podcasts and uh as a guest if you will and 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 i always it's always fun because you know everybody's interview style is different and and each host brings their own you know unique perspective and and you know you know you had some really good questions tonight and and every podcast i've been on i've gotten some cool and unique questions so it's Mm -hmm. always a fun experience
0: all right awesome well thank you very much again yeah absolutely have a great night all right I'm